the fighter his father had been. Surehand, a stubborn man with a quick temper, had been aware of his own shortcomings and had tried to school them out of his firstborn son. Think first, he would tell worshipful Springbuck, and don't let your hand be hasty to move. Have I not told you that haste is the thing that has caused me more regret than any other? Pause, reflect, and weigh your options. In the end, some impulse of self-preservation or awakening of the metal of his ancestors had moved the prince to plan escape to preserve his life. But he was unprepared for the events of this evening. He attempted to maintain his dignity as he strode through the great doors, stalwart things of hard ebony bound up in iron and studded with thick rivets, and into the brightness of court so familiar an hours spent at his father's side and now seemingly the camp of the enemy. Lanterns cleverly wrought in brass and blown glass lit the spacious tapestried room and filled it with their sweet scent. The windowless walls were hung with the banners of various legions and houses. Over the dais hung the royal standard of snarling tiger, scarlet on black, and beneath it, the personal ensigns of Springbuck, his stepmother Fania, and his half-brother Strongblade, a stag's head, dolphin, and bear, respectively. The throne was vacant, across its arms rested Flarecor, the great sword reserved for the ruler of Koramond, the Kumar Mai, as the protector Suzrain was called in the old tongue. Springbuck's stepmother held court seated in an ornate chair at the foot of the dais, she wanted no accusations that she was disrespectful of her late husband's memory or custom. She wore a robe of imperial white which contrasted well with her thick raven's wing hair. Because Earthfast was the best fortified place in Koramond, there were only eleven men-at-arms in the throne room itself. Eight archers watched, weapons at ready from the ledges above the milling courtiers, four at either side of the room. They wore brown leathers, had quivers of barbed arrows at their shoulders, and were now sworn to Fania by secret oaths. On the dais itself, behind the queen, were three fighting slaves, family heirlooms after a fashion, yielded to Springbuck's grandfather by a conciliatory king after the epic battle at Skystem Crag. They were not members of the race of men, and many called them ogres. Bigger than humans, coarse and mighty as oaks, they were dressed cap and plate armor thicker than any man might wear. Springbuck heard muted laughter and murmurings from the throng as his entrance drew attention. The lush smells of their mingling perfumes and oils came to him, and the dainty scuffling of slippers and stirrings of extravagant clothing. The court had, before times, been composed of wise advisers, faithful deputies, and stern fighting men. Under Fania, it consisted of carpet knights and dissipators. Shorehand's old confidants did not come often or stay for long. He realized that, aside from the titterings, there was an unaccustomed silence in the chamber, then spied the figure. Difficult to discern, since his vision was somewhat weak at a distance, of the famous and formidable Duke Rolf Hightower. The prince's entrance must have interrupted an exchange. With the note of one resuming a train of thought, the queen said, And here now is our stepson, come at his own good time from sulking alone in our gardens. 
Her voice was rich, vibrant, but always cold and closed to Springbuck, however much he had tried to ingratiate himself to her. Still flanked by the two guardsmen, he forbore to reply. Fanya was as expert at these skirmishes as his instructor-in-arms. Eliatim was with the sword. "'He cringes from meeting Strongblade in combat,' she persisted, "'and would like to think up a way to avoid battle. "'But take the throne of the Kumarmai nevertheless. "'But he will not, not while my son and I live.' At this the prince struggled to master his anger, refusing to be drawn into another contest of words with Fania, but the powerful voice of Duke Hightower rose then with an edge to it to prove that he and the queen had already had their differences that night. Who would not? Facing a death under these...